0: tonight. Turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Folks, let me ask you a question. Do you find it disturbing, if I can use that word? I find it both disturbing and probably alarming and heartbreaking all at the same time. That it appears that righteousness has to be defended at every turn. Isn't it amazing that, that something that represents God's goodness and mercy has to be defended? Or we think it has to be defended. You know, the only place that really we don't have to stand in defense of anything is at the cross. Do you realize that? That if you're really at that place, he says in Matthew 16, 24... That if we're going to be his follower, his disciple, if we're going to be a believer, that we take up, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. When you're in that position of of following Christ in a self-sacrificial type of place, you don't really have to defend or explain anything you do. But if you ever noticed that when you caught your, you got caught so to speak with your spiritual hand in the cookie jar, that you are Always having to figure out an excuse and explain yourself. That maybe you were in some type of sin. Maybe not the most gravest of sin or the most wretched of transgressions. But in your heart, you knew you weren't right. And so you were clamoring for some type of justification. You were clamoring somehow to explain yourself or to, to support your position. Anybody ever been there besides me? You wanted to prop it up and say, well, but. But what about. But when you're really walking in a sanctified place, you're walking in righteousness towards God, and you begin to speak out of that position, it doesn't really matter what anyone says. You don't feel obligated for a rebuttal. You don't feel obligated to defend your, your compromised situation. You don't, you, you don't, you don't feel uh, uh, compelled to, to somehow uh, justify it and to, to, to validate your place. Because when you speak or you live and you walk out of a testimony of, of holiness, it's already been defended 2,000 years ago at the cross of Calvary. When Jesus Christ hung upon that cross and they hung, they pierced his hands and, and feet and they pierced his side and he, he, he poured out his life. At the end of that battle, he said, it's finished. And you know, there's people that have said, you know what? He really didn't die. That that sponge full of the gall or the vinegar was really just a a sedative that made him seem like it. And so he was just kind of in a state of suspended animation. But they didn't have to write a new chapter and say, in defense of the cross and Jesus really, it's finished. You know what, they're not debating whether or not the Cowboys won a Super Bowl in the 90s or whether the Yankees have won multiple uh, uh, Major League Championships, or we're not. We're not debating whether uh, uh, the Japanese were defeated in World War II along with the the. Not, that, that it's finished. The record has been written. We know who the victor was. There's no sense in going back and debating whether or not somebody won or not. There's no question whether or not. Cassius Clay knocked out Sonny Liston. We've seen it. We know it. We can't go back and say, you know what? I know he had his hand raised and Liston was on the ground, but you know what? It's finished. And so, folks, when we live and we testify and we walk from a position of having been crucified with Christ and identifying with the cross of Calvary, we we, we stand in a position of strength, not having to defend unrighteousness. Folks, we've got to get back to that place. Where our life, the brother asked that they what does it mean to be above reproach? We've got to walk above reproach. We've got to walk where where the, the, the victory is not in question. We gotta uh, can't leave it in, in, in quote unquote in the in the hands of the judges. It's gotta be a, a clean win. It's gotta be our life has got to be a knockout. Where our opponent, whether it's the flesh or circumstance, is laying there on the canvas and they're, they've been immobilized by the blow that we've delivered in the spiritual realm. We've got to have a clear-cut victory in our lives. And so my question for you tonight, is your life, is your testimony, is it a clear-cut victory that God has delivered you from who you were? If you want to put a title in this message, you can write down what I wrote down. I wrote, The Purging Power of the crucified life. The purging power of the crucified life. Folks, here's what's bad about it. When I was 18 years old and I I became born again, not when I became religious. I was religious for many years prior to that. I I knew the vernacular. I knew the stuff. I went to church. But when I got born again, when I understood what it meant to, 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 to be a new creature in Christ Jesus... My biggest adversary was me. It was. The one that I had to fight with, the one that I reasoned with, the one that I had to convince every single day, the one that battled insecurities, the one that battled fears, the the ones that that battled pride, the the one that battled lust, the the one that, that battled all these things was me. It wasn't it, somebody knocking on my door, offering me something every single day. It was the me that I had made a decision to be crucified with Christ. And I got some news for you, folks. The one I f- have to fight with the most has not changed in all those years. It hadn't changed to somebody else that would, that would mock or accuse or reject. It. The, the, that's easy battles right there. But it's that one that, that, that keeps trying to wake up and rise up inside of us, that old man, that old nature that, that doesn't want to be purged from who we are. Now I got some news for you. The, the battles that I had then are different battles. The struggles that I had then are, are different struggles. The manner in which he comes at me then is different than the manner he comes at me now those things that he was so adept at. But the adversary always wants to try to breathe life into that old man and bring back that that grudge match. Have you ever noticed in the, the field or the arena of athletics, some of the biggest money makers are those grudge matches? You know, that person that got knocked out by the champion, three years ago he's been training he's going to come back and well he's going to lay claim or you got one guy that beat this one one time and this one knocked him out of the super bowl and man it's going to be a repeat performance and everybody wants to go and see what's happening and then i got news for you the adversary right now is trying to promote a grudge match with you and your flesh but what do we going to do we got to find out how to purge ourselves with a crucified life. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come tonight, Father, we have got to become aware of our adversary. Not the, the, the adversary that we're aware of, Lord God, who is the, the devil. We're aware of him, Lord God. But we've got to be aware, Lord God, of those things, Lord God, that would come at us that look so familiar because they disguise themselves as our emotions they disguise themselves as our feelings they disguise their self as our opinions they disguise themselves Lord God as our ambitions or aspirations but Lord God they are deadly poison to us and Father we ask you Lord God today by the power of the blood of Jesus Father to help us Lord God To get a revelation, Lord God, of the purging power of the crucified life. Lord God, when you return, we want you to look into our lives and say, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Father, we want you to be able to come back and count us within the company, Lord God, of the church without spot or blemish. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Folks, what I'm talking about tonight is that the purging power of the crucified life, and if we're, we're here or somebody's watching tonight or be listening later, I believe that it is the crucial thing at this juncture in Christianity. The reason I believe it is because the circumstances that we're facing as a body of believers, and I'm not just talking about a body of believers that are gathered here in Daytona Beach. I'm talking about a body of believers gathered together universal or much the same circumstances that, that faced the body of believers 2,000 years ago. The reason I say that is because the situation is much like it is now. Pastor Scott and I talked at length about, you know, the, the, the Roman nation, how it became so inwardly corrupt that it have to fall from, a, from an outside military force that it collapsed because of its wickedness from the inside. This here that we're facing, and this not just this nation, but we're facing just a, 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 a moral dilemma internationally because what has happened, man has become so great in his own eyes. Man has had the audacity to believe that he can stand and, and, and change the climate, that he can stand and, and, and he can solve the, the woes of the world. Folks, i got news for you. This world has been in steady decline for 6,000 years ago since 6,000 years since Adam and Eve fell. And I tell you what, it is gaining momentum and steam every single day. You know, you can build a wall, Millie and I and the kids, when we lived in, in New Orleans, we lived right on the access road. And they built like a 20-foot cement barrier to keep the sound out. And you know what, we didn't hear the sound as much, but you know what, it didn't stop the traffic from going by. And so what we've tried to do is build this 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 20-foot all around ourselves, just so we don't have to hear what's going on in the world. But folks, it's still going on. You know, we can sit here. You can sit in your living room or in your home or wherever it is in your city, and and you can insulate yourself from what's happening in the world. But I got news for you: this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And we could be here in sunny central Florida. Or you could be in California or Texas or even in the hostilities of Indonesia. But I got news for you. There is something happening in the spiritual realm that is dead set on destroying every individual that would lay claim to a birthright in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can insulate yourself, but you'll never be able to isolate yourself from it. Here's what it says in Second Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 19. It says that solid foundation of God stands. Somebody say the foundation of God stands. It says the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. And it says the Lord knows those who are his, and yet everyone who names the name of Christ should depart from iniquity. How many of you today name the name of Christ? How many of you that you would say to yourself, Christ is my Lord? Christ is my king. Christ is my master. Christ is my savior. Christ is the one that I serve. If that's the case, you should depart from iniquity. You should depart from all that jealousy. You should depart from all that fear. You should depart from all that bondage. You should depart from that laziness, you should depart from that condemnation, you should depart from, from, from all that condemnation. you should depart from from that wrath and that anger. you should depart from everything that's iniquitous in your life. If you name the name of Christ, now folks, I got news for you. Matthew seven is no different than not everyone that says unto him, "Lord Lord shall enter the kingdom." When he's talking about name and he's not just talking about people that say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I go to church. That word name literally means to take upon yourself the surname of someone. You hear what I'm saying? You know what that means, to take someone's surname? That means that 23 years ago on the 15th of this, this month, Melanie ceased to be Melanie Annette Fulkerson and she became identified as Melanie Annette Bond. She took my surname. She came into my family. She became my wife. I didn't change the name on my driver's license and my social security card and all my business. She changed her name. She came, she said, I ceased to want to be called by the name that I grew up with. And when I say I do, I don't just say I do temporarily. I say I do to the even the point of I'm going to take upon myself his identity as well. And I can say in 23 years, there's things that she says to me that, man, I might say to somebody else. There may be things that she's picked up from me as her husband, and, and maybe a, a, a strength that she may have gained from me, or, 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 or things that she's getting. Why? Because she's my name. But not only that, you may not know this, but Melanie's kind of the, the, the nice one of the couple. She's the... The friendly one. She's the mama of the family. She's that. I got news for you. Because she took my surname. Sometimes she's guilty by association. Oh, those bonds. Oh, that Pastor Troy and Melanie. Oh, those guys there. Man, they're a little too hard. A little too serious. A little too this. A little too that. Why? Because she took my name. So the places that she'll go because... She took my name. The people are going to look funny at her, brother. That guy. Oh, her. Oh, yeah, we know her. She's identified by a surname. She's recognized by... And, folks, if we take on the name of our Lord, Jesus. Man, I tell you what, now having walked with the Lord nearly 43 and 18, 25 years... I tell you what, in 25 years of, of, of being married to Christ, man, you think in 25 years I might be picking up a few of his characteristics if I've got his surname. You might think that I might walk a little like him and talk a little like him and act a little bit like him and desire the things that he desired and, and want. Folks, i got news for you newlyweds in this place. Stop fighting. Stop trying to reclaim your name. Stop trying to have a hyphenated name. you seen that today? These women get married and they hyphenate their name. They're going around as Melanie Fulkerson Bond. How ridiculous would that be? Well, who are you? Well, I'm holding on to who I was. Well, you need to go hold on to somebody else then. I don't want a woman holding on to something else. So we've got to escape hyphenated Christianity. Well, I I took on his name, but you know what? I still got my old. Nature, I gotta take care of. I got my old desires. Folks, drop the hyphen and pick up the holiness and be named King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the child of the Most High. Amen? Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Check it out, verse 20. But in a great house, in a big house, at a place for a lot of people and folks you know talking about a great house it's not just talking about we talk about great we think great is grandiose we think great is expensive he's talking about a great house and he's other in other words he's saying you know what when you're talking about something that a lot of people try to lay claim to you hear what i'm saying what percentage wise ryan is going to tell you yes you talk to a 100 people tonight how many are atheists how many more atheists out of a 100 more more people would say they believed in God than there would be atheist. Right. I can talk to a hundred people. I might find one devout atheist out of a out of hundred. Depending on where I'm at, maybe a few more. And so in a great house, well, this for instance, that would lay hold of his name, it says that in that they're not only vessels of gold and silver, the real deal, somebody say the real deal, but also of wood and clay. And it says some of them are there for honor. And some are there for dishonor. Some are going to be in that house and people are going to look at them and say they've got the surname of Christ Jesus. They're going to look at them. They're going to say, you know what? That's silver and gold. That's silver and gold Christianity. That's what I talk about faith. And it's going to bring honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're going to look into your life and you get what? They're going to say, that person's been purged from who they were. That person's not like they were. That's not the same angry person. That's not the same rebellious person. That's not the same lust-driven person. That's not the same self-willed, ambitious person. That's not the same person. They're going to bring honor to the kingdom. But folks, listen. In a great house, there's also going to be vessels of dishonor. The ones that only moved into the house to see what they could get. I mean, I know you call yourself a Christian, but man, the, the, the Christ part of Christian is kind of missing from your name. The Christ part of the responsibilities missing from your name. Vessels of dishonor. Verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone purges himself, somebody say, if anyone purges himself from the latter, it says that he'll be a vessel for honor and sanctified and useful from who they used to be. If anybody removes themselves, separates themselves from who they used to be, it says that then he will be a vessel for honor. Somebody say, I want to be a vessel for honor. I want to have a testimony that people look into my life and they say, you know what? I may not like you. I may not appreciate what you said, but I've got to honor the Jesus that's in your life. I may not want to invite you to my my birthday party or my Christmas party, but I tell you what, there's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I may not like you. I may not agree with you. But i got to tell you one thing. You truly represent the Jesus that's talked about in that Bible. I may not want to go to your church or be a part of your ministry or do things the way that you do. But I can't argue with the fact that you want to represent the surname that you've taken on. You'll be a vessel of honor and sanctified. Folks, when I'm purged, it means that I'm sanctified. It means that I am set aside for the master's use. I ask you a question, believers. Are you set aside for the master's use? Are you truly set aside for the master's use? I, I want to I I righteously brag on on some people that and really just impress me in this place. You know, Pastor Alex, I've been watching Aaron and Destiny for the last few months. Guys, I want to tell you, you bless me. I'm going to tell you why you bless me. Because you have some ready-built excuses that might even pass the scrutiny of these folks that you're around, which is kind of a tough cookie sometimes. But we're talking about a couple that just in the last few months, what what was the date of your wedding, September 5th? Got married just a couple of months ago. And you know what? They have not missed a lick. They they really haven't. But sitting with them and and hearing their hearts before they ever got married, what they told me, we want to get married so we can be set apart for the master's use. They could have said, listen, man, we're just getting married, so we need to kind of just step away for just a little while and, and get to know each other, and we need to do our own thing. And they never said that. Man, I see them just diving in more and more. And I was sitting back this past week, guys, and I'm thinking to myself, you got Aaron and Destiny. They're showing up on Sunday morning to help with the outreach out out there. No complaints, no beg. They're here on Sunday night hearing the word. Tuesday, they're they're here just eating it up. Thursday night, they're there early for supper (laughs) at the house. Saturday, Soul City. Friday night on the street. I'm thinking to myself, we got some newlyweds. We've got some people that could say that, but, man, I just see God's sanctifying hand. Happen in your life, guys. That, that blesses and encourages me as a pastor to see what God's doing in your life. Don't lose your mind and backslide, because I'll have to erase this tape. Don't do that, Amen. But you, you bless me, guys. You really do. Give, I want to give them what honors do. You, you've been honorable to what God has done. And I told them. Here's what I told them in first counseling session, and they believed it. I said, no, "You know why you're getting married? To make you more effective for God." And folks, listen. Young people, watch them. They're a a prime example. They're they're a tremendous example to watch. Hold their feet to the fire because they've been honorable for those things thus far. It says you'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and useful for the master. Wow. Man, I tell you what, I want to be useful for the master. Folks, what does it mean to be useful for the master? To be useful for Him. I'm not talking about being useful for somebody else. I'm talking about I want to be somebody, amen, that fits. That's what it literally means. Fits in the hand of the master. If I've got a master carpenter, you know what? He's going to be adept at using a certain type of tool. If I've got a master electrician, if I've got a master painter, there's certain things because of their mastery within a certain field that they fit, that they have a certain expectancy of quality. You know, you get a, a carpenter, Pastor Scott, he's not going to go down to, to big lots and buy him some, some, some knockoff tools. You know what he's going to do? He's going to go to the place that manufactures a tool, meet for a, a master carpenter. Now, folks, what I want to be is I want to be of the, the right condition. I want to have the right value. I want to be built with the right care, amen, that I fit for use for the master, Oh, I can use this one. Why? Because he's going to speak like the master. I'm going to use this one. Why? Because he's going to live like the master. I want to put this one in my hand and utilize him. Why? Because he's going to have the same type of mentality, the same type of character as the master. I want to be used for the master. But how does that happen? When I purge myself of who I was. You know what to be purged? It means to be thoroughly cleansed. To be thoroughly cleansed. It doesn't mean a quick little rinse job, folks. It doesn't mean the, the 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 wide gate rinse job of the modern church. What the modern church specializes in is just a, a quick little uh, uh, rinse job, and let us get you in and out just as quick as I can. You know the coming in we had some 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 type of stuff got all over this rental car that we had, and, and so at the at the gas pump it said if you want a car wash, it had sections had one that was the full banana and it was like 12 bucks and it had the cheapy right down here now that ain't my car but i don't want to take these people's car back with all this stuff and so what did i do i got the i got the value wash it was just a real quick I, i i paid for that because i wasn't going to make too much of an investment in that but folks it didn't thoroughly cleanse it it just kind of washed off the surface things But folks, if we're going to be thoroughly cleansed, it doesn't mean we're just going to run in and get a rinse job. It means that we're going to pay the price for a full detail. If I get three little hopping around cheerleaders to wash my car for donations, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a three little cheerleader wash job and there's going to be streaks and scratches everywhere. I shouldn't expect anything. But if I'm gonna pay the guy down in the corner in the, in the greasy shirt, in the run over shoes, $75, when I get my car back, you know what it's gonna look like? It's gonna look like the day that it came off the showroom floor. Why? Because he's gonna go to every nick, every nook, every cranny, he's gonna shine the wheels, he's gonna get every spoke, he's gonna steam my engine, he's gonna shampoo my seats and my carpet, he's gonna wipe everything down and have it looking shiny. Why? He's gonna thoroughly cleanse everything. Folks, I don't want to stand before the King of Kings one day with just a quick rinse job, salvation. I want to stand before Him having been purged of every one of those works. I want to be free from my own ambitions. I want to be free from my own sins. I want to be free from every iniquity and every transgression. I want to be totally rinsed from those things. And I want to stand holy and pure before the King of Kings and the the Lord of Lords. How about you tonight? You want the solution? Verse 22. Flee also youthful lusts. Flee also youthful lusts. You know what some of your biggest problems are? Youthful lusts. What's the difference between youthful lusts Another lust. you know what the difference is youthful lusts come with a all these ready-made excuses and justifications that this world is so quick to give you i'm young i still have time everyone's doing it it's not so bad that's just your opinion you're just old you don't understand our generation we want to be entertained i'm not getting fed i need something better that's what youthful lusts sound like why can i say that because i've had them before amen he said flee the lusts that attach himself." all these excuses there'll be time for that you're just oh you don't understand there's a generation gap flee youthful Lust. Folks, you know what? I, I, I so appreciate the Lord looking back. I appreciate that I got accelerated out of that type of thinking. The reason I say that is, Billy, and I got married at 19 years old. So at 19, here I am. I've got the responsibility of a wife. I've got the responsibility of someone I've got to see about. I've got bills to pay. I've got these things, and, 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 and nobody else is lining up to do everything. My mother mother, and father my brother, Family, all left for a period of ten years. I wasn't around my my folks to, to 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 have that that easy access to them and assistance. I didn't have that, so I had to man up. So we got married at nineteen and it, it started doing a ministry immediately. By twenty four, I was pastoring the church. Some of you twenty four couldn't even tie your own shoes. But I had responsibility at 24 years old, not just for myself, but I had, a, I had a responsibility to a congregation that was looking for someone to follow. I couldn't give up. Did I get tired? Yes, I couldn't sit down. Why? Because I had to flee the useful lust that says, you know what, they're just going to have to understand. Because my life ceased to be my own, and I took on another surname. I know we're newlyweds, but there's work to do. I know we just got married, but there's people dying and going to hell. I know we just did that, but we're not in this for us. We're in this so we can see God be solidified in our marriage so He can use us as a two-fisted prong, amen, to smash the adversary at every turn. That's why we're in it. Flee youthful love. Man up. Man up. And pursue righteousness. Faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Folks, you know what it means to flee? Literally, huh? It means to run. It means more than that. Quickly. Literally, Jesse, it means to run for your life. That's what it means here in the context. Flee. Run for your life. Young people, I'm telling you, run for your life. Run for your life. There are going to be things that seem so right and seem so good that the end thereof are the ways of death. Run for your life. This world is going to offer you everything under the sun. I know because it offered me everything under the sun. It's going to offer you a career that will cause you to die. It will offer you an opportunity to destroy you. It will present relationships to you that will suck the very call of God out of your life. Run for your life. There are things this world is present that are going to seem so good, so enticing. Run for your life. Life, anything that I confront or face, I'm gonna have to see it for what it is and run. What it's like, brother? Like when Joseph went into Potiphar's house, and she began to come and attack him at his youthful lust. Ah, well, this is a sharp young man. Look at him. Oh, he's got a lot to offer why don't you come over here and lay with me? Why don't you come and be involved with me? What has saved done, Pastor Alex? said, so she took hold of him. He fleed and he was willing to even leave his garment behind. He ran for his life. He had to leave something that identified him. He had to leave something of value. He had to leave something that he would have rather had but he ran for his life because he'd rather be wrongfully accused than finding himself in the midst of youthful lust. i got news for some of you today. You need to run. Something may have gotten a hold of you that is making all the right pleas and saying all the right things, but you better run for your life if you're going to be cleansed thoroughly from those things. Do you hear me? And pursue righteousness i love what this word means check it out it doesn't mean just to casually follow after it means to press after in a way that would be that would seem as though you were persecuting someone pursue righteousness it doesn't mean to be persecuted possibly doesn't mean that they just won't leave you alone there's right, They're always there, persecuting, persecuting. They won't let up. They're going to challenge you at every turn. They're going to look for any inroad. They're going to whatever. They're, there's going to be persecuting you. They're going to they're look you up and down. They're going to persecute you. They're going to find any way at all to get underneath your skin, to, to get a reaction out of you. That's what it says to do. It says to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and those who call upon the, on the Lord out of a pure heart. It says, I want you to try to get under the skin of righteousness. Get a reaction out of righteousness. I don't want to just walk in righteousness just as a word. I want to get so next to righteousness that I'm going to get a reaction, a respiratory reaction out of righteousness. Now think about that for just a second. I'm not just going to pursue righteousness. Oh, righteousness, here we are. Oh, I'm worshiping you. Righteousness, righteousness. But man, I want to come after righteousness to such a degree that back to me. Now think about that. I want to be in such a place that I'm not only reacting to righteousness, but righteousness is reacting back to me. Don't you want that? I want to get a rise out of righteousness. I want righteousness to say, okay, okay, okay. Man, God, I'm pursuing you more. Lord God, I'm, I'm persecuting you. Come on, righteousness. You said that you were here. You said that you would change me. You said that you would deliver me. You said that there would be hope. You said that if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. You said that I can be free and free indeed. You said that it would be a hope that would make it not ashamed. You said I would have the mind of Christ. You said if I had faith as a, as a mustard seed, I could say to that man, I'm coming after you, righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. I want to see you deliver on your promises. Come on, I want to persecute righteousness. Man, I ain't going to talk unrighteously no more. I'm not going to think unrighteously anymore. Man, I'm going to pursue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persecute righteousness because I want the response of righteousness in my life. I want to persecute faith. We were asked to bring food for 2000 Faith, I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to believe God for the provision even when it's not there. God, I'm sick and I don't know what to do. They told me there's not a whole lot of hope. But Faith, I got news for you. Man, I believe. Hallelujah. I'm gonna believe in the faith fear. I'm gonna believe in the, in the face of opposition. I'm gonna believe in the face of what I'm having to confront and deal with. Faith, come on. Faith, am I having to get a response? Amen. I believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I'm persecuting faith. I'm putting myself in a situation that all I can do is believe. I'm putting myself in a situation that the only one that I can trust in is Jesus. I'm putting myself in a situation. That I've got to hold on to Him and I'm believing a response of faith. How about love and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart? Man, I want to walk in such the love of Christ. Now, folks, I'm not talking about some jellyfish love, that ain't the love of Christ. I'm not talking about some patchy on the head and, and kick your, your behind into hell type of love. They know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a love that is so pure, that is so real, that is so genuine, that is so de- de- devoid of the illusion, so devoid of the, the politics. A love that is, that is so right there. Amen. I'm talking about the love of of God that was manifested when his son was was stripped naked and humiliated upon a a cross of Calvary and could look out at a people that had just hung him there and he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing that a love that is not waiting on a response back, that a, way, a, a love that's willing to whatever it can, that doesn't mind being one-sided, that doesn't mind pouring itself out time and time again, that doesn't mind forgiving, that doesn't mind telling the truth, that doesn't mind uh, getting in your face when you need somebody to get in your face, that doesn't mind in your neck when you need your neck hug, that doesn't mind counseling you when you need it, that doesn't mind going beyond and, and far and above the call of duty. I'm talking about I want to persecute love that I can be a recipient of it back. Flee and pursue. Somebody say flee and pursue. Verse 23. But avoid. Somebody say avoid. Foolish and ignorant questions. Knowing that they generate strife. Folks, that word foolish comes from the Greek word moros or moros. Or our English word moron. That's what it is. It means to be absurd. It means to... Some heedless, senseless type of conversation. How many of you find people doing that when you're witnessing to them? I know Christian people that all they do, I I know people right now that if, if they would ask me just a straight question, I'd love to answer, but it's just, it's moronic. Well, what about this? What about that? Well, what about Cain? Where'd he get his wife? What about this guy? Well, what about that? It's moronic. Ask a question that has to do whether or not you're going to burn in hell for eternity. Ask me a question about how you can pursue righteousness. Ask me a question about how your life's going to be changed and how you can change other people's lives with the power of the blood of Jesus. Because until you get that down, anything else you say or ask is moronic. It's absurd. Why would I want to talk to somebody about the second coming of Christ where they haven't even experienced the faith in the first coming of Christ? It's absurd. Why would I want to talk to somebody, Pastor Scott, why would we want to talk to somebody about whether or not they want to uh, go through the tribulation or not go through the tribulation when they can even go through a conversation now without losing a fit? Because if they can't get through five minutes of difficulty now, it won't matter if they go through one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven years later, they're not going to be able to handle it for two seconds. It's absurd. Ignorant. What's well, a good word. Avoid foolish and ignorant questions. It just means stupid. Stupid or unlearned. Avoid absurd, moronic, and stupid questions because all they're designed to is to generate strife. Folks, you want to purge yourself from those things? Don't even answer stupid questions. Just say, I'm sorry, I don't deal in the absurd anymore. I don't deal with moronic, imbecile type of questions any longer. Do you want to talk about how Jesus can change your life, just how he's changing my life? We'll talk. But if not, you're going to have to find you a clown to talk to because I don't deal in that level any longer. Serving the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, apt to teach patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, God will perhaps grant them repentance so that they too may know the truth. Listen to me tonight. If you will allow thorough cleansing or purging in your life, you know what it'll do? It'll make you an instrument that God uses to grant repentance into other people's lives. Do you hear me? If you allow cleansing of God and remove all those things, if you'll flee youthful lust, if you'll pursue after the righteousness and love of God, His character, His presence, you will be set up to be an instrument that God uses to bring righteousness through repentance in other people's lives. That they may come to their senses, escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by Him, to do is the purging power of the crucified life Hebrews 9 11 through 14 says this the Christ being come a high priest of good things done by greater and more perfect example not one way with hands that's to say not of this building essentially said that after the big house the great house the great building of 2nd Timothy. But he said, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. With the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified, purifying the flesh. How much more? Somebody say, how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Folks, our Savior hung on a cross 2,000 years ago, brother, to purge your conscience from those works of the flesh. He, he came to purge you from dead works so that you can serve the living God. He came to redeem you from that curse, from the bondage, from the, that yoke that held you in check through the cross. And if we'll identify with that place and allow thorough cleansing we'll see victory first corinthians 5 6 and 7 tells us, it says your glory is not do not know that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for christ our passover is sacrificed for us folks we've got to purge even the little leaven the little thing that would desire to take us over why because galatians 2 20 you know it crucify the Christ, i live but it's not I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But verse 21 says, I don't frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you're crucified in Christ, folks, if you're a genuine believer, you're going to walk a life that is thoroughly cleansed by the things of this world. Galatians 6.14 God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world, listen to this, whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Are you crucified in Christ? Are you crucified with Christ? Because if you're crucified Christ, you're crucified unto the world and the world unto you. In other words, you're dead to the world that the cares of the world have no place anymore that you you're dead to them things and those things are dead to you their influence over you is gone you've been cleansed from those things your decisions that you make are no longer made because of the world do you hear me what you do and what you say your relationships your relationships your what you, Where you go, how you conduct yourself, how you respond. It's dead to the influences of the world. Why? Because you've ran for your life from those things. And you've pursued after the character of Christ Jesus. No more. You're dead to those things. They have no power. I flee from those things. They don't have my ear anymore. They don't have mind anymore. They don't have my desires anymore. Now, close tonight, folks, with Romans 6 6 and 7. You know it. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. Somebody say destroyed. That we should no longer serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Let's stand tonight.